0: Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS, now the always entertaining Chris Zabalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well here it is and here we go with another great edition of Inside EMS, I'm your host Chris Ceballero I gotta tell you man, we had a really great week and I'm really glad that you guys have come back to join us, but uh, I know he's chomping at the bit to come on in here and say something. Well, maybe I should just hold off a little bit. Now,
1: here he is, <laughs> Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how you doing? I am fine, man. I'm, I'm on the second second leg of a free conference swing. Uh, about to tear my hair out. I'm so tired. But oh, I I'm bet. I go. Did, and you
0: drive everywhere you go, right? No, no, I flew. Oh, I, uh, did you? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah,
1: I just, but uh, to get the flights I needed, I had to friggin' drive to Houston to fly out of because uh, to make my schedule work, I, uh, my local airport doesn't have quite the, the flight schedule that. that bush intercontinental does so yeah i uh, i flew up to uh colorado on um uh, on the 6th uh flew home on the 8th uh went to work directly from the airport uh washed clothes while i was on duty and uh, and repacked my suitcase and flew up here uh to new jersey so i'm sitting in the hotel room in atlantic city right now
0: Yeah, you got a couple. You got somewhere else to go after this, right? I get home and I'm home for two days, and then we head for the Texas EMS conference next week. And that's always a great conference, man. I got to tell you, and for everybody out there listening, uh, you know, if you ever have the opportunity to check out Kelly Grayson's class, uh, not only are you going to get some great information, but he's going to entertain the heck out of you. And I got to tell you, I always enjoy when you're teaching. And uh, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it just for this show, Kelly Grayson. You're my hero. How about that? Hey, you, you get a
1: bro-hug for that one. All man. right, man. Well, let's bro-hug go ahead and- with a, a
0: triple back tap. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> let me think about that a second. But while we go ahead and do some news, man, what do you got?
1: we got some pretty good stories this week. One of them comes out of Missouri under the Stupid Files, a uh, paramedic from Lincoln County, Missouri, Uh, from the Lincoln County Ambulance District, was charged with accessing child pornography videos on his personal computer while at the ambulance base. This guy was uploading uh, child porn using the internet connection at the ambulance station. Um, And the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children uh, caught wind of it uh, and brought that uh, to the attention of the sheriff's department and they caught him. And he is now sitting in, in the jail with a $100,000 bond uh, and paramedic career ruined. Jeez, um, you know, I, um, what was it that, uh, that Albert Einstein said? The difference between genius and stupidity is that stupid, genius has its limits. Uh, yeah. And here's a guy, he, he just proves, you know, not only are you a low lowlife who's excessive who's child, child porn, but you're doing it at work. God, how stupid can people be?
0: Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before, and, and, and it's just a shame that, uh, you know, people have to uh, uh, do these behaviors that give us our career field a black eye. And, uh, you know, uh, you know I don't even know what to say, man. I mean, when it comes to this topic, I, I am just totally, you know, speechless. And uh, maybe I should just give you my story, man. It's just, I, I just don't understand people, man. And, you know, not even Enough. the fact of, you know, what he was doing, but now he's going to do it at work. And get on an internet that is probably monitored, and you know well, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, you know uh, you, you have to be a special kind of dumb to uh, to first of all access those sites in the first place, and to do it on a on a work internet connection. That yeah, you, as you pointed out, is probably monitored. You know, you're going to get caught. Right. Uh, you know, um, on the one hand, you think that this this kind of thing gives a black eye to our profession. Uh, I don't really think it does. What I think it does is, is is, I think that these guys should be exposed, publicly exposed and shamed, and EMS people need to be doing it and and um, condemning this guy, and this is our way of policing our own, not sweeping it under the rug, just saying, hey, this is, a, this is a profession, this is the kind of act we condemn, and we want to see him punished just as much, if not more, than anyone else.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So- let me give you my story. My story is coming out of California, medic shot at by patient's fiance. Uh, the man allegedly fly, fired two rounds at the medics as they fled for cover. And this is in San Bernardino County Fire Department. Uh, they're trying to assist somebody, and I, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it came about. Uh, paramedics were called to the residence for a medical emergency while assisting the female. The woman's fiance became upset, and uh, they don't know why, took a sawed-off shotgun, and decided to make some noise. And, uh, Kelly, i got to tell you, we, we've been talking about this a lot, and more and more I start to feel those concerns of, you know, our our, our peer safety. And uh, I don't know, man, what, what does the future look like here? There is, there is no such
1: thing as a safe scene. We say it once, we say it every week. I will continue to say it, there is no such thing as a safe scene. You can talk to your blue in the face about, oh, stage outside the scene until it's secured by PD and, and all this kind of stuff, and that's just a knee-jerk reaction and, and no critical thinking. What kills our colleagues is not the dangerous scenes. We know not to go into the dangerous scenes. What kills our colleagues are the innocuous scenes that they're in on already, and they go south on us in a flash we don't realize uh there's there's some undercurrent there's some subtext there that we didn't catch or it was just totally unexpected that's the kind of things that kill us because those are the ones that we're in on and 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 subjected to this violence the ones that we know are violent well hell, we stay outside of them anyway um so you know you gotta keep up your situational awareness And i'm glad that the The medics weren't uh they were shot at but weren't shot so uh you know, hopefully this this ends well for them and they don't, they're not uh, psychologically damaged from it, but uh, um, you know, I've been shot at before, thank God, not very often and not by very good marksmen, uh, but it uh, it, it kind of harshes your mellow a bit, um, you, you wonder who you can trust and, and what scenes are, are okay to go in on, it, it definitely gets in your head after a while.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you said it really great, I mean, and and, uh, you know, but having that, those street smarts, those situational awareness, as you mentioned, and uh, always keeping yourself on a, on alert. I mean, sometimes, you know, we get a little bit of, we get a little bit complacent that, uh, you know, I was in a scene one time with an elderly couple and she was having a little bit of, you know, abdominal pain. She was just on the phone with her son. Her son wanted to borrow money, you know, they, and she's going through this whole thing. And, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to calm her down. You know, she's hyperventilating a little bit. I got her on the capnography, telling her she needs to get the number down to this. So watch the number. And the son busts in with a gun. Yeah. And I was like, I think two drops of pee came out that day. And, but the challenge was, is I wasn't expecting that to happen.
1: No, no. And, and those are the things that, you know, those are the, the things that kill you. You know, I have people that ask me, uh, that don't understand my, my stance on self-defense and, and carrying concealed weapons. They go, why do you carry a gun? Why do you carry a pistol? Do you expect trouble? No, if I expected trouble, I'd be carrying a rifle. I carry a pistol because I don't expect trouble and I, and I try to stay out of it. It's just the consequences of, of having trouble come upon me unexpectedly right. are unacceptable to me. And and we we need to learn those street skills and, yeah. and, and, and you've said in it, class. Man,
0: the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, and, and <laughs> I would rather be in a position where uh, I'm I'm ready to defend myself, to defend my family, rather than um, you know become a statistic.
1: Yeah, I, I never thought that we would see the day. Where, you know, despite my advocacy, I never thought that we'd see the day where we'd be realistically discussing um, arming EMTs. But you know, we're 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 getting to that point. It's still a, a dicey uh, situation. It's still a personal decision, and one that I don't think I'd make. But darn it, it's happening enough that uh, I don't think the, the general public considers us non-combatants anymore. We're we're not safe uh, from. Uh, you know, outlashes of, of violence and anger. Uh, we need to behave accordingly.
0: Yeah, I think it's time we need to get uh, we need to get Kip T Sort back on and start talking yep. about this and, and see what he's, uh, you know, seeing in trends. Because he keeps up on all this stuff for us, you know. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we have said it before, he's the expert, and uh, let's get him scheduled to come in and talk to us about it. But uh, what do you got for us? What's the next story?
1: We've got a uh, story out of Brunswick, Georgia, where the Glenn County Finance Committee... Uh, of their their local government um, uh, dismissed a plan to privatize their EMS services as a cost-saving measure. Um, uh, the uh, the county was apparently looking to privatize EMS uh, and and expected to save up to eight hundred thousand dollars annually by privatizing the county service. And it would uh, uh, it would be the private EMS contractor's responsibility to collect unpaid ambulance uh, bills and and that sort of thing. So basically, it put Shifted the entire burden of EMS care onto a private entity, uh, thus saving the the county uh, minimum of eight hundred grand a year and and that sort of thing. And the county right now is owed one point five million that they haven't collected. So they were looking to to get out from under that financial burden, um, but the firefighters uh, at the agency, the firefighter paramedics, who were uh, who were potentially affected by this, we're worried about, you know, are, are we going to lose our jobs? Um, you know, I'm of, of two minds of this. Uh first, I'm glad uh, and I applaud Glenn County for for billing being willing to to shell out the money for what they consider is good EMS care. Obviously, they're satisfied with the level of care uh, that they're getting from Glenn County, the fire department there, and they are uh they're happy to pay for it, uh, even if it, it could, they could get it cheaper elsewhere. Uh, that's my one thought, and my other thought is: is, is um, the privatization was supposed to cost a bunch of uh, was supposed to uh, result in, in perhaps the the cutback of staffing and personnel, and that's the other side of the coin. The EMS is not a jobs program for the fire service. It is not. I feel for those guys, but you know. If you go to a private service, they're going to have to hire paramedics anyway. Moonlight for them, you know, work as work for them part time as a paramedic. It's not going to cost you your job. Uh, and if you're using EMS as a means of, of justifying firefighter staffing levels, you're doing it for the wrong darn reasons. Right. And and that know, care,
0: I, and that care shows.
1: Yes, that care shows. Now, I'm not accusing Glenn County of doing that. I don't know their situation. There might be a stellar EMS system and one of those rare fire departments that actually does EMS for the right reasons, but. As a general statement, I'll, I'll stand by the fact that, that e- fire departments usually view EMS as a means to an end, right. and they don't consider it their primary role. And as long as they're doing that sort of thing, it's the eighty twenty rule reversed. You know, eighty percent of their calls are are EMS and twenty percent are fire. Yet they're doing uh, they probably devote eighty percent of their educational and staffing and promotional pathways to the fire side, uh, and EMS is the redheaded stepchild. And and that's pretty obvious in a lot of departments. And that's got to stop. Um, but still, to Glen County, hey, more power to you guys. If you guys are happy with your EMS care and you're willing to pay for it, then then that's the kind of that's a, a good situation to be in, where your community obviously values your contribution. But uh, I don't think that uh, that's going to work for everybody. And if you're doing it just so people won't get fired, well, that's not really good fiscal responsibility.
0: And I got to tell you, man, when I first read this story, it brought me back, well, it made me think that we're going to start to see more of these situations happening. Because as, as cities try to cut their budgets, mm-hmm. they are now going to start to look at private ambulance services who are able to do uh, this type of work. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think about it. So we talked about a couple weeks ago about the, the, the what's going on in San Diego. And, mm-hmm. you know, how they, they're having challenges making response times, and they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it to get response time, so they're not fine. But AMR pays the city of San Diego $10 million a year just to operate within that city. So what's going to yeah. keep these private services, now you've got the big merch, you know, AMR Real Metro, I said, what happens now when they go to a city and say, hey, we'll pay you five million dollars to take this contract you can you don't have to you don't have to worry about the EMS side anymore we'll pay you to come in and do it really you're gonna to start to say no
1: yeah yeah I think as as people can become increasingly uh, conscious of the tax burden um, they're going to to be unwilling to to pay that uh, you know and that's a shame because honestly I honestly believe that if people are going to have good EMS care, they need to be willing to pay for it, and that includes taxpayer funding. Uh, I think the ideal EMS system is a uh, is a uh, public uh, taxpayer funded system that tries to minimize its its need for that funding by by aggressively billing. Um, however, you know, not everybody's going to, you know, we. we with the state of our economy, it's been going on for quite a while now. You know, tax bases and, and tax revenues are dwindling, and money is ever and ever tighter. Uh, and it's going to get to the point where uh, people are, you know, municipalities are going to take a critical eye to, toward cost saving. And if they can shift the cost toward uh, privatization and, and get that burden out from under that burden, they're going to do it. Hell, gonna, it, gonna for, it, it. It worked for trash collection.
0: Right. Why won't it work for EMS? Well, it will. I mean, and yeah. the realization is going to be, Kelly, that fire, firefighters are going to start to lose their job. I mean, the reason that firefighters were put on uh, to run EMS calls is because they had the EMS obligation. But mm-hmm. just like any other part of the city, when it comes to cutting, it's not that they're they're going to have challenges for fighting fires. They got the staff to fight the fires. The people mm-hmm. that they put on to run the EMS calls are the ones that are going to have challenges. And I'm just saying it. Unfortunately, you are now going to see firefighters that are going to lose their job because cities are going to go away from uh, cities are going to go away mm-hmm. from fire based EMS. It happened in one of the cities here in Missouri recently where one of the cities uh, gave up the uh, EMS side to a private service and they were running it for a lot of years. They Mm -hmm. went into the EMS business. It wasn't fiscally uh, responsible to the city and they went ahead and threw out an RFP and now it's being run by a private ambulance service. What are they going to do with all the people that they put on? I don't know, but there's going to be more to come, I guarantee you. Yeah, Um,
1: We've got a... uh I've got a story for you, man. Uh, this uh, this story we covered uh, a week or two ago in out of Houston County, uh, Tennessee. This EMT call first policy, uh, where the county commissioner was uh, George Durham was uh, wanted EMTs to contact the local hospital before transporting any patient uh, to a hospital outside of Houston County. You know, Mother May I? Hey, Doc, uh, where you know where can I bring up my patient uh, before they even transported? Uh, I was quite critical of uh, Commissioner Jerome and, and I still am. I, I don't think the man has a clue about EMS, and he's dangerous. But, noting that uh, our own uh, columnist, Art Sia, uh, had some impact on that story, um, WKRN News uh, found Art's column online saying that uh, Commissioner Jerome didn't know what the heck he was talking about, and uh, he's, he's trying to roll back EMS 25 years there. And they have called uh, the commissioner on that and and done some further investigation. So, we we've kind of sp- spurred the story onward and and, right. and got the uh, the local news agency to uh, to look at this with a more critical eye. And they discovered that the hospital there is, is in dire financial straits, right. and that may play some role in why this was. Uh, you know, why this policy was enacted. Of course, you know, Commissioner Jerome uh, has not read uh, Art's article and tells WKRN he has no intention of reading it, which is translated into, don't you confuse my preconceptions with your pesky facts.
0: That's uh, you
1: know, yeah. I know what I know. Damn you experts, don't talk to me about this. Um, so. Yeah, but I,
0: think, but I think you're right. I mean, when you look at it, the article says that you know, they're, the hospital is losing $800,000 a month, mm-hmm. and they're bringing in about $350,000 a month. And it seems to me, and everybody else who's looking at this, that when you're calling and saying, can I take this patient outside of the hospital service area to another hospital, they're just trying to make the buck, and they're just trying yeah. to. And that's, yeah. if that's not the right reason uh, for good patient care, and if you're having a challenge with finances, Find other ways to cut it, mm-hmm. but public service. Uh, now, I, I got to tell you though, Kelly, I am all for that. If you call nine one one, you really need to go to a hospital that's as close as possible. If it's mm-hmm. an emergency, closest not,
1: appropriate uh, facility. Exactly,
0: closest yes. appropriate. But you know, it's still the fact that. Uh, you know, uh, we we need to be able to deliver the care that we're going to give. And if, if they could be treated at that hospital, they could be treated at that hospital. Yeah, but but like I said, I'm I financially motivated. But, uh, you know, who are we? Hopefully there's more to come on this. And, you know, kudos to our, you know, to our partner, uh, Artsia, for uh, bringing some, you know, bringing some awareness to this, and, and, you know, good, it's good that people should start listening, I mean, because there are some experts in our career field, and, you know, if this guy, uh, you know, if this guy, you know, gives a call to some of these EMS leaders who who actually work in this area, uh, maybe he can find a different solution, who knows?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, Commissioner Jerem has uh, vowed he's not going to read Art's article and doesn't care what Art has to say, well, that's fine, but the news media has read it, and that's inviting further public scrutiny, and, and that's what uh, political officials need, uh, because often they will wither under the light of public scrutiny. And if, if reporters start asking tough questions, then maybe they'll retract some of those stupid policies that they're trying to impose. So we can only hope.
0: Right. You know, but that's but I think this is what's great about EMS now is you know there's a lot of things that are happening inside our career field that now we're getting some recognition and we're getting some, you know, uh, looks from even the the news media to say, look at what experts are saying about this. And and I got to tell you, I think that's really cool. So let me go ahead and give you my story. This one was really kind of interesting to me. And this one comes out of England. A 65-year-old paramedic survives cardiac arrest after being shocked 25 times. Yeah, I know. Bill Fisher was walking home when he suddenly fell to the ground in cardiac arrest and a passerby rushed to help Fisher and began chest compressions. I mean it seems like everything worked. Two paramedics mm-hmm. perform alternate sets of 60 chest uh, 60 compressions each until the paramedics arrived with a defibrillator and then he was shocked. Uh, 5 times on the way to hospital, 20 times in the hospital. He was technically dead for 60 minutes but after 25 shocks his heart regained a regular rhythm. And, and you know, you look at this and you think 25 shocks. I mean, uh, you know, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, is the heart <laughs> going to be able to withstand yeah. this, you know? But you want to check for a loose electrode, see
1: if you haven't been
0: shocking, you know, yeah, muscle exactly. artifact or a loose electrode all that time. But this is interesting. I mean, when I yeah. first heard this, I was like, there's no possible way. But uh, obviously yeah. it happened, man, and I'd be interested to know what you thought. You know, it's,
1: uh, anytime you're shocking somebody 25 times, uh, or, or multiple times without. And I without want to know.
0: A, I'd like to know. Sorry to cut you off, but I'd like to know if it was a biphasic monitor or a monophasic monitor.
1: That's that's true. Uh, and you have to, you know, that's a good question. Uh, and and the other thing that occurs to me is if you've shot somebody twenty five times, obviously you need to be shifting into problem solving mode. What is making the heart refractory to defibrillation and making it so irritable? Irritable, and, and what do you have to do? Uh, outside the normal realm of treatment, you know which what does your a c l s guidelines say now? I mean the algorithm is epi and chalk, you know um, and all the good stuff is no longer uh sp- you know strictly in the algorithm, so you know is he acidotic is he is he hypoxic uh, Hyperpolemic? what is making the heart so irritable and what what type of uh how do we need to modify the recipe to uh to make it a little more receptive. In our system, we we've uh, implemented a protocol where we do the uh, the sequential shocks. The if we have a patient in in refractory VFib, uh, the second unit in brings in their defibrillator. And if if we've shocked the patient multiple times without conversion, uh, we do uh, one seven hundred and twenty joule shock. Which there's some research to show that that is actually fairly effective. Uh, at conversion in shock refractory v-fib so uh haven't had a chance to do it myself yet it requires a second crew with their own defibrillator and and we just synchronize our shocks one two three boom light him up and and uh i just want to i want to see if i can make somebody's hair stand on
0: (laughs) i gotta tell you i mean that's amazing to hear and i've not seen this i've not seen this uh Research. I mean, tell me a little bit about it. Uh,
1: well, it's just uh, um, I can't cite the study for you, but, but this was something that, that uh, we implemented in our, our protocol updates a couple of years ago. That there was some evidence, it wasn't the strongest in the world, but that stated that uh, for some people in, in shock ref- refractory VFib who've been given multiple uh, doses of antiarrhythmic medications and shocked multiple times and were still in VFib, that higher joule settings. Uh, were potentially beneficial at, at converting that rhythm. And, of course, it, it also uh, applies to people with l- large people with a lot of body mass. So your you're really big folks might require more energy. You know, there, there's more transthoracic resistance, so you, you really don't know how much voltage is actually uh, or how much of your, your amperage in, is actually reaching the, the heart. So uh, we dial it up to... to sequential 360-joule shocks, uh, you know, both we do a sternum and apex and a uh, posterior and anterior, you know, so you got the, uh, your traditional defibrillator lead placement, at, uh, pad placement, and then a uh, a uh, traditional pacing pad placement, and uh, you, you light them up at 360-joules with both monitors at the same time. Ba-boom! Uh, and apparently, according to the research, that is actually more effective than just continuing to shock it at 360-joules.
0: Have you guys had any uh, any numbers? Do you guys had any saves with that? I mean, do you have anything to report? Uh,
1: I no, no. I don't have anything to report. They uh, we get frequent updates through uh, of our cardiac arrest survival rates, and we're just now entering the CARES registry. But I don't think we have done enough of that to have a, a, a enough volume uh, of patients to, to actually make any uh, any um, you know conclusions from.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to make this our quick clip, man, so if you guys are out there and listening, if you've heard this before, if you know about the research, or if you're doing it, go ahead and give us the comments, man. Let us hear what's going on, and it uh, you know, it'd be interesting to follow. This is the first time I'm here, and I'm going to have to do some research. We may have to do a show on this, Kelly, so it'll be interesting, but uh, I think it's been a great week we of news. Yeah. I think we're having a good time uh, in our career field. We're almost coming to the end of the mm-hmm. year. we got to start talking about our live end of year show. Yeah.
1: Before I sign off, I want to send out a you know a, a note of sympathy and, and courage to uh, my friends in Springfield, Colorado. Um, you, some of you may have seen reported on on EMS one uh, that the EMS director for the uh, Southeast Colorado uh, Hospital District EMS uh, service was killed in an ambulance accident last Friday. Um, Rick Hartley was. Uh, a uh, 30-plus year veteran in EMS started the nonprofit uh, fundraising agency to keep that squad alive, and had, you know, had well-respected educator and paramedic around the state. 63 years old, and was uh, they collided with a tractor on Highway 287 that was driving down the road with no lights and no follow car, and uh, ambulance rolled off the road, and and. Killed Rick, and uh, their patient uh, died of unrelated causes at the hospital li- later. Um, man, you know EMS cannot afford to lose people like this, uh, and it's doubly so for doubly difficult for a small service like uh, like Springfield EMS. Um, but from my sources that called me that night and told me that Rick had died, uh, we tried to get a hold of his deputy, who is who is now moved into Rick's position after his after his death. Uh, we tried to get a hold of her that, so she didn't hear it over the news or Facebook and, and the conference committee in, in Colorado, I believe, was able to do that. Um, the people who who let me know what had happened said that uh, his people worked, uh, they're volunteers, and they handled it like pros. They were working on one of their own, their mentor, their leader, uh, and they were pros to the very end. So. I think Rick, uh, if you're looking down, your, your people did well, and they're going to be fine without you because you taught them all the right things, and uh, you, you taught them how a, a paramedic and an EMS professional ought to be. So, Godspeed and, and good luck to the people of Springfield, Colorado EMS. Um, that's all I got to say about that without getting emotional. So, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS for myself and co-host Chris Subileiro. Let us know your comments, concerns, questions, suggestions. Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And you guys, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We enjoy it every week, and we'll catch you next time around.